0: Welcome one, welcome all to the eighth episode now of the Nickel and Dime Podcast. I am Tyler Eaton, joined as always by Harrison Valk, We've got Casey Warner back with us. He's pretty much a regular at this point. He's going to be right there with Harrison in the always category pretty soon. For the fans of natural selection out there, fear not. Natalie is here this week, ready to get things rolling again. She had her week off last week, but she's here and ready to go again with natural selection. This week, once again, we've got heartbreaking losses from WKU and the Titans to talk about. Of course, that loss for WKU, one of the wildest I have ever seen. It's going to be really interesting for us to get into that one. We're going to get into Kentucky's win against Vanderbilt and looking forward in the schedule to the game against Missouri. And then after that, the Cats... They host Georgia and what's going to be a huge matchup in the SEC. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead, leave us five stars if you think we deserve it. If you don't, leave us five stars anyways, because it'll make us feel really good about ourselves. And if you're listening anywhere else, drop a like, drop a follow, share the podcast, whatever you can do from that platform, let us know that you're listening. We really appreciate all the support. And with that, I think it's time that we give it over to Jimmy, as has become tradition, to get things rolling as we move into Western Kentucky and the rest of college football. Last week I started off the show by saying that I really didn't want to talk about WKU football and Harrison, once again, that reigns true, if not even more so. How are you how are you feeling after that last loss? That one was tough for all of us Hilltopper fans.
1: Let, let me just say, and I think that I think that everybody else can kind of relate to this to whoever watched the game. I have never, ever, ever in my twenty two years of watching f- football. You've been watching football since you came out the womb. <laughs> I get it. I understand <laughs> well, yeah, the BT. yeah. I have never seen a game end like that, ever. Like, I was speechless after watching the ending of that game. It was... I I, 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 had, n- I had never seen anything like that, and it was... It was—it was just surprising. Like I—like I—I just didn't—I just didn't know how to comprehend it or just witness what happened. I'm like, did that really just happen? For
0: WKU, everything was going perfectly in this game. They had a seven-point lead with just over a minute and a half in this one. They had their defense out there with a the chance to get that first conference win of the season, but the defense just didn't get the job done. They gave up a touchdown to Old Dominion with just nine seconds left. After back-to-back 30-yard pass plays, let the Monarchs get in position for that. But at that point, you're just thinking, we're gonna take this game into overtime, and at the very least we might have a shot to win it here. And WKU had exactly that. After erupting the passer penalty, WKU would have an untimed down to attempt what would be a 57-yard field goal. Coach Mike Sanford opted to send kicker Alex Ranella out there to attempt it the kick was well short. Barely made it into the end zone, but Old Dominion was called for 12 men on the field, so WKU would have a second untimed down. This time, if they chose to kick it, it would be a 52-yard field goal, but keep in mind, the first one was well short. It only got two yards into the end zone, and yet Coach Mike Sanford opted to try it once again. He sent Ranella out there, and guess what? The kick was well short once again, but this time, the Monarchs had somebody back to return it. He brings it back inside the WKU 20, but that would be just fine because His time ended right there. The game was over. Time had expired. But no, no, no. There was a flag on the field. WKU had been called for a face mask penalty. That awarded ODU an untimed down, the third untimed down of the game. The Monarchs sent
1: kicker Nick Rice out there, and he was money from 26 yards out. And once again, the Hilltoppers just found a way to lose. Yeah, it sounded like things would start off really well in that that statement. But then the rain came, and uh, Simon (laughs) and uh, Garfunkel. That's what actually ran. happened at the game. I, uh, yeah, were it, That's very true. That's were very, there. very true. And it wasn't raining, but it was also very cold. But the rain still kind of describes the, the mood, I guess, all the Hilltoppers fans felt after that game. Would you agree? I mean, there's no other way to feel. No.
0: I mean, I've said after the last few games, especially the Charlotte game in particular, you were really, really disappointed with the result of that game. But, I mean, this one just takes that to a whole other level. I mean, this was a game where you were right there. You were right there. You were even so close. You were even all game long. These two teams look like they were on the same level. We know both of these teams coming in. They only have one win on the season, but we also knew that these teams were better than their records. I mean, ODU had beaten Westford or Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech yeah. They had beaten mm-hmm. Virginia Tech coming in. And the two teams are really even across the board. Both teams, 29 first downs, only separated by about 40 yards of total offense. Davis Shanley played pretty well for WKU, but for WKU. To lose that way that just what do you do
1: what do you do from there well i can tell you that we're not going to be I ask I you cuz i don't know yeah I yeah know. i i mean i feel like we've we've asked this questions so many have, times yeah. already and you i to ask you, I, I, I'm I, sorry, Tyler. I really don't know either. I really I, you know, don't. The, the sad part is I don't think Coach Sanford knows either. I don't think I don't, he don't think he has know. any
0: idea. And I could tell by the fact that in the post-game press conference when he came out there, he wasn't talking about, you know, what we could have done to win the game. He wasn't talking about, you know... You know, we could have done this better on offense. We could have executed better on defense. He came out there and he complained about, you know, the missed call on that the field goal miss return. He thought the guy had stepped out of bounds. Right. Yeah. When you're talking about that after the game and you're deflecting to that, that reflects very poorly on you as a coach.
1: Also, you can't blame the wind. No I, I saw no. that too that he was blaming it on the wind the wind, wind was the in their players, favor that, that's like say, that's like saying that the bears lost because of the snow in <laughs> chicago or something like that you can't blame the weather the wind or was the at the kitchen's back or that's like saying it was the rain or something like that i mean that does like cause effects on like holding on to the ball or like causing fumbles or whatever but you 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 can't blame the weather on the on on the, the outcome of the win or the loss whatever it is no and once again we found
0: wku in a situation where they could win the game and they were playing not to lose and i i tweeted out afterwards gonna plug my own twitter at tyler eaton radio i tweet some very good stuff by the way
1: at harrison volk also
0: wink wink but i yeah our twitters are good follows but anyways i tweeted out this is a team that doesn't know how to win but they play not to lose and i feel like that pretty much sums up this team they don't know how to win. And yeah. I don't feel like Sanford is really doing much to teach them how to win. If you're Coach Sanford, this just looks, not only did you lose, but you lost when Brom went out there with Purdue and just smoked Ohio, Ohio State. State. It's a terrible look. I tell you what, this was probably the worst day of, of Sanford's career. Um, if you think yeah. about how bad this
1: year has been, this is definitely the Valley. Let me ask you a question. Do you think we, uh, we're now, now, I was looking at the Conference USA stats. There is another team that I think we... Do you think uh, we will beat... Is it UTSA? UTEP. UTEP. UTEP, that's it. it was one I of the hope UT. so. They're 0-7. They're and seven. That's the only team that, right now, if I had to pick games, that's
0: the only team I would pick WKU to beat. Yeah, me too. I me went too. on Red Towel Radio, on ESPN Radio, and I said that WKU would win this game. I said, something tells me they can pull this one out. And I picked them by a field goal. I'm not picking them again. Because they should have won this game. Not just should they have gone to overtime, they should have won. They were up by a touchdown with just a minute and a half left, and that defense that you've relied on all season long couldn't do a thing. Gave up just back-to-back 30-yard pass plays, and all of a sudden the game's tied again. And you're putting that offense back out there on the field and expecting them not to screw up somehow? At this point, I just expect this team to screw things up somehow. No matter who you have in there at quarterback, That's not going to fix that. And Kavars Thomas came in and played in some spots. I don't, at this point, I said I'd be disappointed if he didn't play. He played a little bit, but I know and I think most people need to realize he's not going to fix this. There's a lot more going into it than that. And it's a matter of, is it Sanford? Is it the players? Where do you lie on that? Do you think it's a coaching issue? Obviously, there are coaching issues.
1: But do you really think that if you get rid of Sanford right now, would that fix this? I don't think so. I, I think along with how Sanford coaches the team, I think there's a lot of other things that need to be fixed with the offense, the the defense, uh, making sure you can score plays. So it's not at like, because so, it was like three of the four or four of the three, how, however many games that we have lost where we're just three points under. Right. Uh, that's got to stop. Yeah. You have to. to put the ball yeah, in the end zone. Exactly. To, so it's in order to win the game.
0: You should not have to on that last drive. If you miss a 57-yard field goal, you got to know there's not a really good shot that I'm hitting from 52. No. you got to just throw the hell Mary and take it into overtime, especially when you consider your team up to that last drive that ODU had. You had been pretty much the better team. You led at the half, and once again, WKU not just lost a close game. They had the lead in the second half. This team has to stop playing not to lose because we've talked about this. They're not good enough to do that. No. You can't play not to lose if you don't know how to win. So, Coach Sanford, if you don't get a big win against FIU this week or at least look pretty fairly competitive. You
2: will rest in
3: peace.
0: All right, Taker, that might have been a bit excessive, but hopefully it scared off Coach O if he was thinking about trying to make another appearance this week as we're about to bring in Casey to talk about UK, the SEC, and the rest of the college football world. Now let's transition from one team that just keeps figuring out how to lose to a team that used to be very well known for that, the Kentucky Wildcats. Casey, welcome in. And that Vandy game, that one was a,
4: it was a bit of a nail-biter, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was a real nail-biter. And let me tell you, from the start of that game, the first half, I was very upset with the way it was going. Terry Wilson not Yikes. looking good again for the third, fourth game in a row. And he's he's really just not looking good back there. And, and Mark Stoops came out and said today, multiple quarterbacks will play in the Mizzou game this weekend. And I'm happy to hear that.
0: I, don't, I mean, I don't know how you can go three for 19, for 18 yards. Awful. And expect not to have some competition for your job, but... Kentucky doing what historically they have not done in these situations, they found a way to win the game. And ultimately, right. I guess you got to be happy with that.
4: Oh, I'm real happy with that. I mean, Benny Snow basically put the team on his back. Him and Josh Allen found ways to get that victory. They both showed out as they have the whole season. Lucky to have game changers on a team like them. That's See, that's the difference between old Kentucky teams and this Kentucky right. teams. We have guys that can change the game and turn L's into W's like Benny Snow and Josh Allen. That's what something about a Randall Cobb when he was on Kentucky right, just. Right. made
0: him so much fun to watch because you would watch him run like 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage just to make some kind of play and Benny Snell has that quality about him he does Benny Snell had 169 yards put the team on his back goodness I mean straight up on his back when your quarterback had 18 yards you've got to do that for you to win but Kentucky ultimately did pull out that win against Vanderbilt they've got to go to Missouri next week we talked about the possibility of maybe the Vandy game being a trap game and I still think this Missouri game is definitely going to be really tough
4: for Kentucky, especially,
0: especially if they don't figure out this quarterback situation.
4: No doubt, it's definitely a trap game, and by all means, it's not a trap game. It's a it's a loss at this point. They're looking like because it's it's favored by Mizzou by seven at this a- point. So, seven? Yeah, they, they wow. opened up as a seven point favorite against Kentucky this weekend, and. uh like you said, so much for being a trap game. This game is is a loss if the quarterback play does not improve because I'm telling you, you cannot go into a hostile environment like Mizzou is going to have with the number 12 team in the nation coming in, and you, you just can't have quarterback play like that late in the season in the SEC. Can't do it. Kentucky up to 12 in the country, and Mizzou favored by 7? That's right. Man, Kentucky just cannot
0: get any love at all. They can't, all.
4: but I mean, I really don't blame it at this point. You have a seven-point win over Vandy at home, and you you can only muster up 18 yards passing. I I agree with them with that uh, spread right there.
0: I tell you what, though. I, I do doubt Terry Wilson, obviously, at quarterback. It's tough to doubt the offense on the whole because you've got Benny Snell there as the rock, right. but I tell you who I do not doubt at all is that defense. That Kentucky no. defense is I'll say it. They're one of the top three, I think, in the SEC Rock right solid. now. solid. I mean, yep. they, Auburn was projected to be one of the best ones. They really haven't been that great. Georgia's has been shaky. Of course, Bama's is Bama. Bama, they're not even in the SEC at this point. Nah, they're they're nah. practically not in the NCAA. They are their own entity at this point. But that Kentucky defense has been really good, and it makes me, it makes me ponder this question that I'm going to ask you. What has been more valuable for Kentucky this year,
4: Benny Snell or that defense? I'm gonna have to say Benny Snow simply because of the fact. Without Benny Snow, you really don't have much offense. Yeah, they wouldn't score. Yeah, you really don't have much offense other than the Florida game where Terry Wilson did show a little bit of ability and promise, which I was I was really happy with. You know, after that Florida game, I was thinking, you know, Terry's he's solid. He's only going to improve from here, right. but he's actually gotten worse since which, that game. That blew my mind
0: because that Florida defense is no joke. Like, if no. you're gonna show up against Florida why can't you show up against teams like Vanderbilt? Could it be because they're overlooking Vandy and maybe looking towards that Missouri and Georgia game? I don't know, but I don't get it. It's just something that Kentucky has to work out. And you talked about Kentucky going to have multiple quarterbacks playing in that Missouri game. That might make that seven-point spread even more likely because, I don't know, how how do you feel? Do you think you're more likely to lose with a guy like Wilson in there who's struggling coming into the game? Or do you think it hurts you even more to have multiple guys in there and that uncertainty to where Wilson, he's not going to have any confidence at all because he knows if he makes one bad play, he's out of there.
4: Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, you can't afford to have bad quarterback playing a game like that, like I stated earlier but having multiple quarterbacks I feel like in this circumstance gives you a better chance to win because we saw how Terry Wilson played against Vanderbilt sloppy with the ball turning it over like he's played the past three games and that's that's not going to cut it so I think you can catch teams like Mizzou who aren't elite off balance with putting multiple quarterbacks in the game because we know Kentucky's going to show the wildcat formation and Benny obviously runs that very well right. so as long as you still give it to him 20 to 30 times a game and he does what he does against Vanderbilt I think you're going to be fine off Offensively, but if you mix up the quarterbacks in the right way, throw the right passes, don't don't run too many risky plays, then I think it'll be okay and work to Kentucky's advantage, but we can only hope for the best at this point because quarterback controversy is never good.
0: Right, no, and, and up to this point, Kentucky has just been riding the back of
2: Benny Snell right now. Heisman candidate for sure, and... Let me tell you about a Heisman candidate, Tyler. Nick Brousset came out there the other night, and he ran for not 57, but 570 yards on the ground. We gave it to him 60 times a game. Like I was telling you, we would, and we came out with the victory because Nick Brousset just kicked absolute booty. Ed, how did you, how did you get in here? how do you keep showing up on this show? Let me tell you something. When you're in the South, anything below Kentucky, I cover the South, brother. So. Ed Orgeron. Coach Ed Orgeron is everywhere, but we're in
0: Kentucky. We're not below it. How do you keep getting any
2: and how do you keep bringing this music with you? What is this? It turns out I am the greatest podcast person in the world, and I make my way onto every podcast that discusses the LSU Tigers. You have never
0: been on one podcast before this. I looked it up
2: after the last one because I was so confused as to how you ended up here. It's because I kept it hid away from you, Tyler. <laughs> I didn't want you to hear my podcast. You always mess me up. Uh, how do I always do you believe. You. you don't believe in the Bayou, Tyler. You don't. You're, you know what? You're right. I will give you that,
0: but it's because you guys don't have any offense. Brissette did not run for 500-whatever yards. He
2: ran for 57, and you guys only won because Mississippi State is just a crap hole. He ran for however many yards. I said he ran. He's the best running back in the country, and he locked up that Heisman Trophy this weekend. Last weekend, you thought he had it locked up. Well, he really did. I was talking to the Associated Press this past weekend, and they said they're going to hand him the trophy at the end of the year. It's already sewn up. That Tua Taga whatever his name is he's not even in the conversation. Nick Brousset has got it sewn up, Tyler. You better believe it. Do you not realize that you still have to play Tua in Alabama? Doesn't matter, we already got the victory.
0: How do you... You're on a bye week this week. Are you not supposed to be preparing for that game against the
2: number one team in the country? Don't have to. I control the whole Bayou and I control the whole South. I control Alabama next week because we got that victory already mapped out, Tyler. Are you telling me that you control the results of all the games in the South? That's right. I've been picking Kentucky to win this whole year because my best pal, my best pal, Casey, just happens to be a big Kentucky fan. So I have Kentucky win almost every game. I had to give them a loss against Texas A&M, but LSU is going to win every game I say they're going to win this year. You know, Pete
0: Rose did something like that, and he's now banned from the sport of baseball. But he didn't control the
2: value. Okay, wait, now, wait a second. You lost to Florida. Did you pick against yourself? Well, you see, what happened that game was the Gator. The Gators just—they were very intimidating. And I tell you what, there's not there's not a mascot like the Gator like that. And you, you always got to respect Gators down in the bayou. So, so I gave them a little bit too much respect on that, and, and somehow we lost. But, but trust me, Tyler, we'll be in the playoff at the end of the year. We'll beat Alabama, and and we got that victory. Just know that. All right, thank you, Coach Al. Oh, no problem. Every week, Tyler.
0: Okay, well, now that Coach O is gone, since for whatever reason he keeps showing up, we can now Man. move on to talking about two teams that have faced LSU this season, Georgia and Florida. They're going to match up on Saturday. The South is the largest, the greatest cocktail party, whatever it is. That's right. It, I tell you what, it's going to be one of the biggest games in this season it of is. college football. Casey, who you
4: got? Bring it at you quick. I'm, I'm going to go with Georgia. Simply because of the fact I kind of want Georgia to win so they're not <laughs> mad when they play Kentucky the next week, like we discussed last yeah. week. Yeah, so you're j- just purely off of that? That's it? Just, not just purely off of that, just because of the fact I think Florida is kind of playing over. I, kinda, I think they're kind of overachieving at this okay. point in the season, and I think they're kind of riding those coattails right now. I think Georgia's definitely the more talented team, and... uh I just have a feeling that uh, Kirby Smart is going to outcoach Dan Mullen for some reason, and I, I really think Georgia's talent is going to really show out this game. I tell you what, Casey, if
0: this game were in the swamp, I would take Florida. I'm being straight up. I just might have to agree with you. Felipe Franks is balling right now. Like he's played, Ever since that UK game, it's kind of been like the opposite of Terry Wilson. Like, Terry nah. peaked, and he's kind of fallen off since then. Felipe Franks has been balling since then. Georgia's got some issues there. I mean, we thought That's they right. had it all locked up with Fromm, and now... He's kind of falling off, but I'm kind of with you. Georgia's just got so much talent, dude. Oh, yeah. There is just so much on both sides of the ball. I think Georgia pulls out that game, but don't be surprised if Florida wins. I'm not giving you that, uh, my LSU prediction, where they're going to lose by double digits and their season is over. That's coming at you next week when they take on Bama. Oh, goodness. Don't you fret about that. But let me ask you this, Casey. We kind of touched on this last week. Regardless of who wins that game, Georgia or Florida, and then regardless of who comes out of the SEC East, and not just out of the SEC East, we can look at teams in the SEC West, like LSU, Auburn, and then we can expand it to the rest of the college football world. Other teams that could be in the playoffs, whether it be Clemson, Ohio State got thumped by Purdue. That whole story of Purdue winning that game, man, that was such a good story. If you haven't seen it, please look into it. They win that game big time. Ohio State now really on the outside, looking into the playoff picture. Of course, Clemson's still there regardless of who is there in the end, do you think right now anybody really poses a threat to Bama?
4: I think uh, come come a couple weeks when LSU plays Alabama, we'll kind of get a feel of where Alabama really is at. I feel like that's going to be a big game at LSU. I think if Alabama takes care of business in that game, wins by two or more touchdowns per se, I think they've kind of got a hold on everything again this season. But like we've discussed before, you know, you can never really overlook any game on the schedule as Kentucky apparently almost did against Vandy this weekend. you got to look at every game as a tough game, and LSU could very well beat Alabama at home in a couple weeks. But uh, other than that, I think there are a couple teams actually that maybe pose a threat. I think Notre Dame is. Notre Dame,
0: yeah. Notre I Dame's
4: agree. being overlooked a little bit. And uh, Clemson, of course. You can never really overlook Clemson. They had a pretty commanding victory over NC State, who was undefeated this weekend. So I think Clemson and Notre Dame at this point are kind of your two that's that I'm looking at as uh, could give Alabama some push at the end of the year. But like I said, we got to wait on that LSU game in a couple weeks. We'll I see. I'll tell
0: you what. I had Notre Dame coming into the season. You can go back and listen to episode one. I had them as one of my sleeper teams to sneak that's in right. there in the playoffs. I'm going to ask you about this team. How do you feel about Michigan? Michigan.
4: Well, I think Michigan has definitely improved over the, the course of the year. You know, they started out with that L and they've they've definitely come back strong. And I think Jim Harbaugh's got them playing some good football, but you know how it goes. Whenever the big game comes up at the end of the year, Ohio State and Michigan, that's the real measuring stick. So still quite a few Big Ten games left on that schedule. So we'll just have to see how that Big Ten plays out. And of course Michigan's first loss of the season, that was against Notre Dame. I had picked
0: Michigan in that one. I ended up being wrong on that one, whiffed it a bit. Wah, wah. Don't call me out like you know, <laughs> at this point, honestly, I'm so used to being wrong on this podcast oh, that it's yeah. perfectly okay. Everyone is. Speaking of being wrong, I'm gonna call you out real quick. You oh, said goodness. that Tennessee Shoot. would cover Here it is. against Bama. Twenty-nine point spread. I said no way. You said they would cover. Bama beat them by
4: thirty seven. Bama beat them by thirty seven. You know what, Tyler? I, <laughs> you know I'm taking my words back. What I said, uh, Tennessee just didn't have what they showed against Auburn a couple weeks ago, and uh, Bama did take care of business. So uh, kudos to you on that one. Kudos to Bama. They're the real deal. Let me say this
0: about Bama, and this we'll move on after this. But I'll say this about Bama: no matter what their spreads are for the rest of the season, when they go to LSU, I don't care. I'm taking Bama on every single one of their spreads for the rest of the year. I will not doubt that team one bit. That offense is ridiculous. That defense is ridiculous. It's going to be tough for anybody to compete with them, whether it be just straight up beating them or just trying to beat the spread. But looking ahead to Week 9... I think Bama's got a bye week. We know Kentucky, they're going to be in action against Missouri, that big game between Georgia and Florida. Clemson goes to Florida State. The Seminoles, they're hot all of a sudden. They started off pretty slow. They've started to reel off some wins. Number 18, Iowa, goes to number 17, Penn State. Number 21, USF, undefeated right now. They go to one loss, Houston, A&M. They're number 16 in the rankings. They go to Mississippi State. Number 14, Washington State, coming off a big win over Oregon a dominant win that's right for about the first half they shut down Oregon completely the Ducks tried to get back into it Wazoo wasn't having it they go to Stanford and then number six Texas number six Texas the Longhorns are back they go to Oklahoma State Casey which one of those games are you looking most forward to
4: I'm going to have to say Texas at Oklahoma State on this one, just simply for the fact I want to see if Texas can keep up what they've built at this point. They're number six in the nation, a lot of hype going into that game. Surely, you know, they I don't know how much they're favored over Oklahoma State, but surely they're favored pretty heavily in that one. And uh, I'd like to see if Texas can keep this going because them being at number six, have not seen them that high in the polls in a long time. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how they play out this week because if they win that one, there's going to be a lot of people saying that they should definitely be in the playoff uh, discussion. And I just want to see if, like I said, Texas can keep it up at this point because they've looked strong this season.
0: And I'll tell you this, and it's going to surprise you. Texas only favored by three, three. in okay. that game. Yeah. Wow. And I'll tell you what's going to help Texas is that the Big 12 has brought back their conference championship game. It's That's just right. going to be the top two teams playing each other. Probably going to be Texas and Oklahoma as it stands right now. So... If you're Texas, you get two wins over Oklahoma. You could end up there in the playoff picture, but Texas really needs a win. They need to impress in this game because it's probably likely that the winner of Georgia and Florida ends up jumping them in the rankings. We'll see what happens there. Casey, thank you so much for joining us to talk about college football. Always a pleasure. No problem. So Casey brought up Benny Snell. Coach O came in again for some reason to talk about Nick Brissett. But we've got the main guru on who is in the Heisman running right now. We've got Harrison back with us. It's time for Harry's Heisman hopeful. So Harrison, who do you have for us this
1: week? I'll start off with Mr. Tua Tugavailoa. You nailed it! Quarterback for Alabama. I've really gotten the hang of that saying that yo- last name I mean, now. you've had
0: to say it every single yeah. week. So yeah, definitely, definitely. It.
1: I'm Vilo instead of Viola or yeah, so. You yeah, you got it. You got, got it. Got it, got it. Had 306 passing yards with that win over UT, which is very, really, really, really not surprising. They were playing no, UT. No. I
0: expected them to win that game. They no. were favored by 29. Casey had UT losing by less than that. I took him by more.
1: And of course, I was right. Yeah, yeah, as I never am. But uh, a while ago, I said that was a, what and what not to watch for in like the three weeks ahead. Yeah, but was, then yeah. UT beat Auburn. So yeah, that's true. Take that's that. True. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, but unfortunately, Auburn's not ranked anymore. But oh well. Right. Any, moving on. Moving on. All right, who you got? Uh, who do you got for us after Tua? I have. To a vailoa Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a, a, a pretty good number of uh, four touchdowns in that win against UT, which okay. I thought was pretty impressive. And that was only, I think that was only in the first half too because Jalen, Hur- uh, Jalen Hurts... I think he played for the second half. That's true, so. yeah. Because uh, he really started up that offense. And I think and Nick Saban's like, okay, we don't need Tua anymore. Let's throw Jalen Oh, I mean against UT. Yeah, really. yeah. Let's be nice to UT real quick. Uh, no, enough Tua. Enough is enough. So
0: number one, Tua Tagovailoa. Number two, Tua Tagovailoa.
1: Who do you have at number three? Somebody named, uh, let me see if I... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody named uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Oh, a new guy this week. Yeah, okay. yeah. Another new guy. Yeah, another new guy. Yeah, so it sounds very different from the other two. Uh, he has h- had uh, 2,066 passing yards this season. That's pretty good. That's very good. To That's a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, uh, <laughs> you know, there's that was one good. thing Harry
0: Seisman hopefuls is known for. It's corny jokes. Very true. Very to true. Lots of, lots of improv. You got a yeah. Scorsese hit or so. <laughs> All right. So, uh, number one, Tua Tagovailoa. Number two, Tua Tagovailoa. Number three, a new guy, Tua Tagovailoa. Who do you got coming in at number four? I got
1: another new guy. Oh, another one. Okay. He's new. Remember, he's new. He's new. He's He's very different from these other three that I mentioned. Okay. And his name is Tua Tukavaila. I have never (laughs) even heard of that guy. No. Really? Yeah. Who is he? No. Well, he's quarterback at Alabama. He did very, very well against UT and then the other games that he's played played this season. And he's thrown for 25 touchdowns this season. That's a pretty good number. How have you not heard of this guy before with those stats? I... Do you I have not pay of, attention to Alabama. Football? I've heard of Tua Tagovailoa, but up to this
0: point, I never heard of Tua Tagovailoa. I what, didn't, really. Yeah, I just, I guess it just slipped
1: past me somehow. I don't well, know. I am so glad that I'm right here giving you these. Yeah, stats, I'm glad that you so, brought that yeah. guy
0: in. So you brought in this new Tua Tagovailoa guy. We've also had Tua Tagovailoa, Tua Tagovailoa, and uh, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, I believe it was. So who do you have for us last but not least this week? I'm gonna let you guess. I don't. I mean, there's been so many new guys this week. It's literally been Tua Tug of Iloa and three new guys. You're going to have to fill me in. I have no idea.
1: Okay. I was Well, well I, I was thinking yeah, you would guess, but uh, it's, uh, or maybe not. I don't know if you, well, you did just hear of him, but it, I've mentioned him so many times. It's Tua Tug of Iloa. Tua Tug of Iloa. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. hold on. Let me, let me get this straight.
0: Number one, Tua Tug of Iloa. Number right. two, Tua Tug of Iloa three, four, and five to a tag of Iloa.
1: I'm surprised your tongue isn't in the knot. That's a lot of time <laughs> saying his name over and over. But good, very Good at yes. it. Yeah, yeah. you are getting good at it. Yeah, yeah. And he plays him and out the Alabama Crimson Tide take on LSU next week. That, along with the Florida-Georgia game, are the, I think, are going to be the two of the biggest games to watch out for next week. It's a big weekend for the SEC. It's going to be so entertaining.
0: Alabama's on a bye this week.
1: What? <laughs> they're on a bye.
0: So, okay. Well, after, all right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia, Georgia plays the second best team in the sec East when Alabama and LSU play. That's when Georgia plays Kentucky, by the
1: way. Okay. By the way. Okay. I misread the date. The standings are correct now. Okay. Yep. We're all good. But, uh, yeah, so, we won't, so So for another two weeks, I'll be able to report on him again and give you all the stats. I was really glad you let me know who he is. Yeah, me too. I, I guess me I've too. just been missing out. Yeah, you're just supposed to be paying attention to this stuff. How, do, how are I you know. not? Well, thankfully, I've got you to
0: pay attention for me. You give me all the stats and let everybody know who are the top guys in the Heisman race. So now let's bring in somebody that doesn't get any stats at all and has very little knowledge. It's Natalie with Natural Selection. Right, Natalie, you've had a week off now. You're back. You had had a winning record after that point. Are you ready to go again with natural selection? I'm, I'm definitely rolling.
3: ready. What, what is my record? I haven't been paying attention. So.
0: You are, at this point, I believe you are 15 and 10.
3: What? That's not yeah. that great.
0: It's not terrible.
3: What? But That's I a had,
0: winning record. I had
3: 10 and 5 before. Oh. How far I've fallen. Okay.
0: Wait a second. I mean, you're just, I know you're five and five since then. That's not, you know, that's not terrible. So, okay, I
3: think we're learning that not only am I bad at sports, I'm bad <laughs> at math.
0: I so, mean, technically it is worse, but it's not that It's not that much worse. Uh, One good week could get you right back at it.
3: Okay, well, let, let this be the good week.
0: Then. All right, all right. First game for you, the Utah Utes versus the UCLA Bruins.
3: I wish I could, like, implant my facial expression right now <laughs> into the podcast because, like... <laughs> Oh my, the Utes?
0: Yeah, people from Utah. We're kind of stuck on people being from places.
3: Okay, and what was the other team?
0: Uh, The UCLA Bruins. Bruins. Those are Bears.
3: Well, (laughs) I think the answer's clear in this one. (laughs) I mean, what's a Mormon gonna do (laughs) in a Bear fight? I I don't know.
0: What what would they do? What would any person do in a Bear fight? Treat it with
3: kindness and respect?
0: I think you're thinking of Canadians.
3: No, I mean, Mormons are really nice, man. They are,
0: that's true. They're just,
3: they're just you know, they're, they knock on your door, give you a little... Anyway, I think but the bear, power of love. The power of love is immense, but you know what? I, I think bears are a little bit more powerful.
0: All right, whatever. The This next one, the Central <laughs> Michigan Chippewas, I've been waiting to use them all year since we started okay. this, versus the Akron Zips, the returning female kangaroos.
3: Zips. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you reminded me what that was. And Chippewas <laughs> is that like a Native American tribe? Yes. So I kind of I'm. Okay. Nice sound effects. Yeah, later. I know. I'm thinking it's my thinking sound effects. So I I kind of I don't like the fact that they've named themselves after a Native tribe. And I, but, but going off of that, I don't think that native tribes would be very used to fighting kangaroos, which are basically like humans, but stronger. That
0: seems true. That's reasonable. Yeah.
3: Um, so I'm going to say the Zips win this one, both because I I like their, I like their mascot more. I feel like it's more appropriate for a mascot. And also in a real life situation, I mean, I don't know, like, yeah. Nee. yeah, yeah.
0: that pretty much sums it up yeah, I I get what that yeah. means All right this next one the TCU horned frogs versus the Kansas Jayhawks
3: Jayhawks well just because the frogs have horns, I don't really think they'd be able to defend against you know talons and stuff like that. You're
0: gonna pick against a horned frog.
3: Uh, Yeah, I think I am. I mean, it's not like the giant frogs. I mean, they
0: could be if you want them to be. I mean, their mascot's pretty big. He's a pretty. I mean, it's a dude. Okay, but like a a
3: Jayhawk, is that what it was? A Jayhawk? Yeah. Um, I just kind of feel like frogs are the natural prey of jayhawks mm-hmm. so jayhawks it is
0: well a uh, quick spoiler this is the first time i'm going to give you any insight as to the real life the jayhawks sucked, okay. you are going to miss that one i, I promise you kansas <laughs> is one of the worst teams there is so first time we're breaking the barrier of letting you know any information It feels wrong
3: it feels wrong
0: well you're missing that one this next one they got a shot at redemption this one i'll tell you the teams are a bit more even the tulane green wave versus the tulsa golden hurricane
3: I think I've seen the Green wave before uh, you've seen both and I've always hated that name and not just because it was the mascot of the Gallatin uh, high school and mm. you know we kind of hated them um I think it's just a kind of a crappy name kind
0: of and, like the fighting Illini
3: yeah I, nah, I actually hate it more than the fighting Illini really yeah wow. because I mean green wave doesn't tell me anything about the quality of the green or the wave I mean is it a wave of water is it in a man-made lake like old hickory or something are there toxic man-eating tires at the bottom I have no context for this and furthermore is the green associated with grass or with marijuana
0: I'm, I'm not sure um which one are you which one are you paying? Think about it the answer is clear
3: <laughs> hurricanes they have plenty of waves.
0: That's correct. They
3: will clearly
0: outmatch okay. the green And wave. it's a golden hurricane.
3: Yeah, golden. One of the most powerful colors, obviously.
0: <laughs> I didn't know colors had assigned levels of power.
3: Uh, Yeah, they do.
0: Okay, I guess I've just been missing out. This last one, the New Mexico Lobos versus the Utah
3: State Aggies. <laughs> you sure do know how to pick them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, That's
0: my job. I pick them for you to
3: pick. Okay, so do I get to know what those are?
0: Uh Yeah, the Lobos, their their mascot is some kind of wolf. So I'm guessing it's obviously well, like, some kind yeah. of wolf. It
3: might come from the same Latin word, like loop, lupus y- or something. That,
0: sure. <laughs> and then the Aggies are either, you can take it whichever one you want to, or both. They could be on the same team. They're either people that fought in like the Mexican American War or something, or it's, I think it's a dog, like a herd dog, some sort. So you could take that however you want it to.
3: Ah, uh, another name that I don't like. Aggies, okay. You so don't like Aggies. It's, it's just I don't like it because it's not specific enough. Yeah, like, you don't
0: know what it is. I don't to, know what it is. You
3: have to. I mean, maybe maybe there's a fan out there who could explain to me which one it actually is. Like maybe you're just not informed. On, I, in I've this seen
0: case. both, so I'm letting you know both.
3: And with no other context, I'm just assuming it's like a really cool looking wolf, and he's got That's like fangs, okay. and he's like black, and he's like, and all that stuff. You know, he's
0: actually like light gray, like white. <laughs> all right,
3: close enough. I mean, are we talking like what is it, t rack or whatever? <laughs> (laughs) the titans like that kind of gray and now all right
0: so natalie best of luck this week hopefully you can finish (laughs) at least four and one
3: four and one yeah because you've already
0: got one L in the column
3: i don't know wish me some good vibes or wish my teams my and and where are the chanticleers in this huh
0: they're they're off this week they're on a bye week no well you uh you had yours last week they're taking theirs this week so next week you all can reunite
3: okay Um, i'll be happy to see them
0: We'll get into the NFL now. Casey Warner back with us. John Reynolds unable to make it, but it'll be okay. Casey's talked a little bit of NFL before. Of course, a huge Rams fan, but as we do here, we're going to start off with the Tennessee Titans, and we talked about WKU at the top of the show. They had a really heartbreaking loss in really weird fashion. Well, the Titans didn't lose in weird fashion, but it was still a really tough loss, losing by one point to the Chargers in London. And Casey, the number one thing coming out of that game, the Titans went for 2 at the end of it. They went for the win at the end mm-hmm. of the game. Had all the momentum coming up to that point. Up to that point, the defense had been playing really well. The offense started to click. So, how do you feel about that decision? Would you have gone for it there?
4: Ah, if if you're a team like the Titans at this point in the season, you know, kind of hovering around 500, I think you got to take your chances in overtime in that situation, especially with a young coach at the helm and a team that's that's not done too well on the season offensively. I'd rather take my chances in overtime. You know, I, I just don't agree with that situation, especially when you're in London. You know, you got a whole game to play out. That there, I mean, there's plenty of time in early game like that. I, I think there's no decision like that where you where you have a 3 and 3 team that that needs to go for it in that situation you know what are you trying to prove this early right. in the season so i just i don't agree with that i think you take it to overtime take your chances there maybe try to get a field goal if your offense can't do anything in overtime so i definitely disagree with going for it there kind of a head scratcher
0: i mean i don't know so much if i disagree with the with the decision to go for it they went for it the first time they went for it twice because there was a penalty called on the first attempt they threw the ball incomplete Holding called in the end zone. They get to move it up to the one and a half yard line. And where my disagreement comes in is when you have Derek Henry in your backfield, you're at the one and a half yard line. Why are you not giving him the ball? I know that Mariota had a pretty good drive up to that point. And we've had the discussion, is Marcus Mariota a franchise quarterback? He had chances on that drive to make plays to prove that he was. And up to that point, he had. And I think Mike Vrabel's got it in the back of his mind. Marcus Mariota is my franchise quarterback, and he's not.
4: Yeah, I don't think he really is at this point. I mean, you got a ton of weapons back there that you could use. You got taiwan Taylor. You got Dion Lewis. You got—I mean—you got Corey Davis. I mean, why not try to use one of those guys? And I—I I don't know. I mean, you could run a reverse. You could run any kind of trick play. But I mean, I just don't understand trying to use Mariota in that situation when he already hasn't had that good of a season. So yeah, a, a bit of a head scratcher right there. But I mean, sometimes you got to put all the chips on the table. What can I say? So. I don't know. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out for the Titans.
0: I mean, Marcus didn't have the worst game. He was 24 for 32, had 237 yards through the air, a touchdown, and his first ever red zone interception of his career. And the red zone play for the Titans in this game, that's what ultimately cost them this matchup. They had two blown coverages on defense, gave up two basically free touchdowns to the Chargers. But Casey, when you go to the red zone five times and you only come out with two touchdowns, you're not going to
4: win. No, you're definitely not going to win. And I mean, like I said, too many weapons on that team to not, you know, to not score in the red zone. So, I mean, I don't know. This Titans team's definitely got to get it together. They're not looking too good so far this season. I think a lot of people were definitely expecting better than three and four at this point in the season. So I think Mike Vrabel's definitely going to have to right this ship as the next couple games go on, or there's going to be some people that want him on the hot seat.
0: And I think for the Titans, they've got this bye week coming up after this, a tough loss. They have now lost three in a row. You had the loss, of course, to Buffalo. That was just completely seemed like at that Terrible. point in time killed every bit of momentum that you had. And then you had the loss to Baltimore where you just got dominated That's in right. every phase of the game. And now this loss to, the, to Los Angeles. So, see. Do you think this bye week could have come at any
4: possibly better time for Tennessee? No, it really couldn't. Uh, Mike Vrabel's definitely going to have to go through the playbook, uh, draw up some new stuff for his quarterback, for his offense in general. Uh, They're definitely going to have to get it going over the next few weeks, or like I said, he's going to be on the hot seat if he's not already. Uh, I don't don't really know that uh, Mike Vrabel was the best hire for the Titans, and that might be showing itself here. But uh, he's he's definitely going to have to go back to the drawing board, and they're going to have to roll off a few if they want to have any chance at the playoffs. And
0: Casey, I know coming into this year, and I still think at this point, you're you're on the Texans train in the AFC South. I correct? am. I believe in them. Yep. So at this point, of course, we've seen the Jaguars. Are just Everything has gone wrong. Well, uh, let me rephrase that. Blake Bortles has gone right, wrong right. for the Jaguars. And it's not like when he's great, they're great. It's just when he's not bad, they're not bad. But yeah. when he's bad... It is about as bad as any quarterback in the NFL is. The Texans now, they're they at the top of the division now. They've risen. They're the cream of the crop right now, of course. The Colts are the Colts. They're going to put up some points, but their defense just really can't do much. Yeah. So at this point, like you said, I know you're on the Texans' bandwagon, but do you think the Texans have now emerged as the favorites in
4: the division? I think they definitely have at this point. And even the Jaguars' mighty defense is not looking too strong at this point. They've showed some holes the past few weeks. I think I saw a statistic on ESPN the other day that said the Jaguars' defense the last three weeks is ranked 29th in the league in the last few weeks. So that's definitely not acceptable for the Jags, a defense you thought was going to be top five, no doubt, this year. Maybe even the best defense in the league. So uh, I think if Deshaun Watson can stay healthy – He's uh, he's he's a little banged up. He was questionable going into this last week. So I think as long as Deshaun Watson and that offense can keep things going, you know the defense is going to come out and show out like they did last week. I think the Texans definitely have to be the favorite from here forward.
0: And Casey, one of the reasons that I was really excited to have you talk about the NFL this week is because earlier this week, you sent me your predictions, predictions. for the rest of the yes. season after week seven. Looking over it, there are a lot of things that really stand out to me. Of course, you've got the Titans finishing at 8-8 eight and eight on the season. That would be good for third in the AFC South. But in your predictions, you've still got the Jaguars finishing first at 10-6. and six.
4: That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think a team like the Jaguars with as much playoff experience as they do last season, I think, you know, they're head and shoulders, kind of the leaders of that Mm. division, and they proved that last year with their playoff run they made. So I think, you know, if they can just settle Blake Bortles down or even get Cody Kessler to come in there and play halfway decent, get Leonard Fournette back, they definitely have the experience over the Texans. So at this point, you know, the Jaguars got the experience card on the Texans, but I think the Texans got the upside at this point. So like I said, Deshaun Watson, if he can improve, stay healthy, and they get a big win over the Jaguars late in the season, then they they can maybe pull out the division, but otherwise the Jaguars have a lot to prove. So we'll see what they can prove.
0: And of course, you a big Rams fan wearing your Rams shirt oh, yeah. for us Always. once again. You got the Rams finishing at 14-2 and on the season. Of course, the Rams now 7-0 and this year.
4: A big win over San Francisco on Sunday. I gotta ask. Who are those two losses against? So at this point, I really think the two losses may come at New Orleans. At New Orleans is going to be a tough one. You know, Drew Brees always shows out. Drew Brees in the dome. Yeah, in the dome. He always shows out. I think New Orleans is going to be ready to play there. That could be a loss. Um, I think they really could come from any of those division leaders. They play the Eagles as well, mm-hmm. so that could be a potential loss. But the other one, I think, may be the Chiefs in Mexico. That's a okay. that's a tough game, you know, going to a, a foreign territory like that. It's always You can always catch somebody slipping. So I think at this point, the two biggest chances for losses, and I think would be good losses for the Rams at Absolutely. this point, would be at Saints and then the Chiefs in Mexico. So I think that's their most probable two losses at this point. And at this point, I really hope they do have at least a loss or two just to give them some experience with that going into the playoffs.
0: And looking in the AFC, you've got the Chiefs and the Patriots, your one and two seeds at at the end of the season. Of course, the Chiefs with just a dominant win, no other way to describe it, over the Cincinnati Bengals. That game, that blew my mind to see them go out there. I thought it might be a close one. It was not. Kansas City came out there and just blew the roof off that place. And then New England pulls out a really good quality win at Chicago. We know New England has the head-to-head win over Kansas City,
4: but does the road to the Super Bowl go through Arrowhead right now in the AFC? I'd say it definitely does. Uh, Patrick Mahomes just doesn't show any signs of letting up at this point. He dominated that Bengals defense, made them look like a porous defense. Bengals have had a relatively solid defense so far this year, and he just he did his thing against them. So I think if Patty Mahomes can keep up what he's doing, he's definitely leading the Chiefs somewhere, and uh, they've shown they got a very strong offense, and the defense has come together quite nicely. So at this point, all roads lead to Kansas City, I think.
0: And in your predictions, you had the Eagles finishing at 10 and six, the Cowboys right behind them at nine and seven. And today we heard the Cowboys acquired Amari
4: Cooper Big from trade. the Raiders
0: for a first round pick. Does that change your mind on anything with the Cowboys? Do you think they're
4: seriously going to be able to contend with Philly and that NFC East now? I don't think they are because I think Carson Wentz is going to get it together. He's only had three starts now, and he he looked a little rough against Carolina this past weekend, but I think they're going to put it together, and I think uh, Doug Peterson is going to get his team playing playing good football, get them on the right track, and I just really don't believe in the Cowboys at this point. I really don't think Jason Garrett's that great and that clutch of a coach. I think he's going to use Amari Cooper to his advantage. I think Dak Prescott and the offense will improve a little bit, but I think when it comes to clutch games and clutch offense i think carson wentz and the eagles are definitely definitely got a a shoulder above them there so i think i plan for the eagles to still win that division Mm -hmm. even after the trade but look out for the cowboys they're definitely a contender again and uh, that offense will improve i'd say
0: right now philly and dallas tied in the nfc east at three and four for second place behind the washington redskins and short pass god alex smith they beat dallas on sunday I think you're not alone in thinking that the Redskins probably won't hold on to that division lead. Uh, Looking at some other division leaders, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right back, where we figured they'd be at the beginning of the season, now leading the AFC North. You've got them winning the AFC North. I don't think many people would agree or disagree with that. But Le'Veon Bell, not supposed to be back now this week. He was supposed to come back last week. That was Pittsburgh's bye. Now not expected to come back this week. What are the implications for that? Do you think they can keep rolling with James Conner? And how much do you think that team is missing Le'Veon Bell? At this point,
4: I really don't think they're missing him too much, Tyler, because I saw a statistic comparison of Le'Veon Bell... Through week seven last season, and James Conner through week seven this season, and James Conner's numbers were, believe it or not, actually a little bit better. Wow. James Conner, I believe, is playing for a contract. He wants to be a franchise back, and you better believe that if Le'Veon doesn't get his act together, that the the Steelers will take him as their feature back because he has showed out this year, and I think he has stepped right in where Le'Veon Bell left off. And you know, there's no excuse for a player as talented as Le'Veon Bell right. to not be on that field with the attitude issues he's had. So I think they're just they're not even going to worry about him at this. This point because James Connor's playing so well.
0: I tell you what, if the Arizona Cardinals didn't already have David Johnson, I bet you the Steelers would trade Le'Veon Bell for Patrick Peterson in a heartbeat.
4: Oh, they would. One hundred percent.
0: Patrick Peterson on the Cardinals, a cornerback, there, an elite corner. I'm surprised Ed o didn't coach in or hop in here to talk about a former Tiger, even though he didn't even coach him. I'm sure Coach O would do that anyways. Right, but right, he said he would. He said he wants to be traded. Of course, playing for the Cardinals, I would probably want to be traded as yeah. well. Looking at some teams that are right there, maybe on the edge of contendership, or maybe a team that's, you know, New England or Kansas City where do you think Patrick Peterson would maybe be the most help to a team that's right there on the cusp of Super Bowl contention
4: I've seen a lot of people talk about the New Orleans Saints and always yeah yes and as I was discussing earlier uh the Rams meet the Saints here in a few weeks at New Orleans and would that not be a perfect addition to play against the Rams than Patrick Peterson yeah. he would be a lockdown corner you can put on those fast good receivers that the Rams have so I think if the Saints truly want to contend with the Rams in the NFC this season they will trade for Patrick Peterson so I I think that's his best bet destination at this point. I mean,
0: they've already got Marcus Lattimore on one side, so to pair him with Patrick Peterson, that would be a really good corner. It would. I think the best spot for him would be Kansas City. Just because they used to have Marcus Peters, he was that one-on-one lockdown guy. Patrick Peterson could come in there and fill that role. I don't know if Kansas City has the pieces to trade for it. I don't think you want to mess anything up if you're them right right now. But that defense needs a fix. You put Patrick Peterson in that defense, it's a whole different story in Kansas City. Of course, the Chiefs right now, the AFC favorites, they host the Broncos this week, looking at some other matchups this week. The Eagles go to Jacksonville to take on that struggling Jaguars team. The Browns go to Pittsburgh. Hopefully, they'll actually get a result in that one. No more (laughs) ties. The Browns have already been in overtime four times this season. Crazy. They just can't beat anybody in regulation. Better than
4: losses. (laughs) Right. I mean, I'd
0: rather go to overtime. And, you know, a, a tie is better than a loss, I guess. Right, right. The Ravens, they go to Carolina. That'll be a really good matchup. Of course, the Packers, as you mentioned, they go to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. The Saints go to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Casey. We talked about this in college football, looking at one matchup that really interests you. I know you want to say that Rams matchup, but give me another one that you're really looking forward to, maybe because of the matchup, maybe because it's going to
4: be really exciting, or maybe just
0: because it's got really big playoff implications.
4: I'm going to go with Saints-Vikings in this one because I think we will see in this game, the Eagles have not looked too strong this season, so I don't think you can put them in the same conversation as the Rams. But I think whoever wins this Saints-Vikings game will truly be able to put in the same conversation as the Rams. You know, despite the Vikings taken a loss to the Rams early in the season. I think they've improved since that right. game. And I think if the Vikings were able to pull out a W over the Saints, then you would definitely have to say they're back in that discussion. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see that rematch after what happened in that spectacular game last season in the playoffs between the Saints and the Vikings. So I think you know Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins, that's going to be a high-scoring game. Over-under should definitely be above 60 or 70 in that one. You can you can best bet that th- that's going to be a 30-plus point game from each of those teams, and that's going to be a high-flying, high-flying high-scoring game that everybody's going to want to watch on Sunday. And Casey, before we go, we're we're going into week eight now, which is crazy Man. to think about. The NFL season
0: has 17 weeks, so there's not technically a split halfway point. There's no eight and a half week. Right. But I'm going to go and ask you, give me your halfway through the season, maybe
4: defensive player of the year and MVP. Uh, defensive player of the year. I'm just a little biased, man, a little biased, <laughs> but I'm just gonna have to go with Aaron Donald. Just I mean, four he, sacks on Sunday, right, pretty good. Right, he always gets it done. He's just—he's an animal back there, and he showed season in, season out, game in, game out, that he is a monster. He will not be stopped. So I'm gonna have to go with Aaron Donald there. Uh, another biased pick, man. You're gonna hate me for this, but Todd Gurley. With no the, Todd Gurley with the MVP, and yes not only the MVP, but the Offensive Player of the Year as well. I mean, he's on pace to break and Tomlinson's touchdown record at this point. So that's that's definitely somebody that should definitely be in the MVP discussion, if not a lock for it. Todd Gurley, just simply a multiple touchdown monster at this point. He's he's putting up three touchdowns, it seems like, every game at this point. So Todd Gurley, without a doubt, is my MVP right now.
0: Man, I'm going to have to disagree with you on both. Give me J.J. Okay. Watt for Defensive okay, Player of the Year. Yeah. It's been great to see him back in action. He's He's got seven sacks already this season. That Texans defense and offense they're improving as the season goes on so expect as the team gets better obviously that'll make him look better as well so expect his numbers to get even better and then you're not gonna go with Mahomes for MVP
4: Uh, he's up there too but I mean when you got somebody that's that's in the running to break LT's touchdown record that hasn't been touched hasn't been touched in over 10 years now that's that's pretty impressive but Patrick Mahomes nonetheless definitely up there too he's got rushing touchdowns and of course he's only thrown what one interception at this point so that's that's definitely impressive so yeah I'll say Patty Mahomes is a close second there.
0: Yeah, give me Mahomes, man. Over 2,200 yards, 22 touchdowns, a 114 passer rating Insane for a dude that only played in one game last year. Give me Patrick Mahomes for MVP. Casey, you're going to be our MVP for this week doing double double duty on college football and NFL. Thank you so much for doing all that you do
4: for us. Always. My pleasure, man.
0: So last week I teased that me and Harrison had a big trade in fantasy football. I hadn't let anybody in on what had gone down, but this week the big reveal happens. And before I tell you the trade, I'll go ahead and let you know. We both lost this week regardless of the trade, and it happened in slightly different ways. I hung up 141 on my opponent, and I still lost. I had 153 points scored on me. The guy I was facing had Kareem Hunt, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, and Zach Hurts. Not much I can do about that. And poor Harrison. Oh, he did not have a great game. He only hung up 70 points on his opponent. Lost by 37. So we both had rough weeks. I'll let you in on this trade that went down, though. For my end, I sent Harrison Josh Gordon, Alshon Jeffrey, and David Johnson. My fourth overall pick. I had to make a move. My team has been struggling lately, so I made the big move. And you know it's got to be a big move from both sides because I'm sending all those guys. In return from Harrison, I received Tevin Coleman and the prize gem of the trade for me, Todd Gurley. So we both shook things up. Gurley was great for me. He had over 30 points, but it just wasn't enough because of the opponent I was facing. Coleman put up 16 for me as well. I really wanted Tevin Coleman with Devontae Freeman's injury. But there's the trade that happened. We'll keep you up to date on our teams and in particular the guys in that trade as we move forward in the season. But right now, it's time for your fantasy locks of the week. We're going to start out at the quarterback position and this week I've got you with Mitchell Trubisky. He had a great game last week against New England and this week he's got a pretty favorable matchup. The Bears take on the struggling New York Jets. I think it's going to be a good opportunity for Trubisky to get some yards, maybe toss a couple of touchdowns. ESPN has him projected for 19.2 points. Give me 20 at least. I've got you with at least a big 2-0 for Mitchell Trubisky this week at running back. This is the first of two players from the same team that I'm picking back-to-back. It's Raiders running back Jalen Richard, and it's for two reasons. Number one, Marshawn Lynch is out, so expect Richard to be out there on the field a lot. Him and Doug Martin are going to be splitting the carries for the Raiders, but the biggest reason this week, they play the Colts, and that's a matchup you've got to pick on. Not only is Richard going to be out there on the field more without Lynch in the fold, But he's the pass-catching back, and you know that Colts offense is going to score some points on the Raiders. You also know that Colts defense can't stop anybody, so expect a big game from Jalen Richard. My wide receiver, I said back-to-back guys coming from the same team. It's Martavis Bryant from the Raiders. And this one, once again, two reasons. Number one, you're playing the Colts. Number two, Amari Cooper just shipped out to Dallas. That was a big trade we just talked about earlier with Casey. But that means Martavis Bryant is going to be stepping into a much bigger role. He's now the number two receiver on the team behind Jordy Nelson. They've got Jared Cook at tight end as well. But expect Bryant to be in for a much larger percentage of targets. That's something you always look for in fantasy. Expect him to get his share of catches yards and touchdowns moving forward this season, and especially in this game against the Colts. In my extra flex for you this week, this is not another player from the Raiders. I almost went with Doug Martin. I almost went with three Raiders back to back to back, but I'm giving you a guy from a team that fantasy owners know you can almost always rely on, the New England Patriots. I'm giving you Kenyon Barner versus the Buffalo Bills. You're looking at a team that's always been known for doing running back by committee. Sony Michel is out. James White is the pass-catching back. But that leaves Kenyon Barner to be the number one guy on the ground. This is a game we know New England is going to have the lead early in for most of the game. So they're going to turn to Barner on the ground to just roll things out. He's going to get yards, and he's going to get those red zone touches as well. So look for a big game from him. Those four guys, as always, Trubisky, Richard, Bryant, and Barner. Those are your fantasy locks for the week. We'll be right back after this with what not to watch for. Time for our weekly ending segment, What Not to Watch For. And this week, I'm going to keep things simple for you. The thing that I'm telling you not to watch for this football weekend is for WKU to get things going. This is a tough FIU team. This is a team that's beaten Middle Tennessee State. They hung with Miami, Florida. This is a really good FIU team. And this is a Western Kentucky team right now that just cannot figure out how to win and do not expect them to figure it out on Saturday. Even though it's homecoming, even though you've got the fans coming out to support you, even though if you're ever going to get a win, this is when you have to do it, don't expect it to come this Saturday. Expect WKU to drop this game against FIU, and maybe I can give them a reverse jinx, you know? Oftentimes, I've been wrong on what not to watch for, so maybe this right here, this is exactly what you need WKU to get things going but we're gonna get things wrapped up here on the Nickel and Dime podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as Michael Scott would say, we'll catch you on the flippity flip.
1: Take a shot, make a friend, just enjoy the moment.